You guys know the last seven, eight weeks or so, we've been talking about what happens when we pray. What happens when we pray. But today we're going to shift a little bit and we're going to uh, talk about preparing for greater. Everybody say preparing for greater. One more time, say preparing for greater. One of the things that I've discovered about us as believers is that sometimes we don't recognize, and I share this, I don't think on Bible study tonight, sometimes we don't recognize that God has a purpose and a plan for our life. And God wants us, amen, to realize that he has great things that he wants and desires to do through us. Are y'all listening to me? And, and the enemy will come in and have us thinking that we are less than what God made us to be. The enemy will come in and begin to disrupt our lives with all kinds of issues and circumstances because what he's trying to do is to get our minds off of the promised word of God. The devil knows if he can keep you from focusing in on God's promises, the devil knows if he can keep you out of God's word you will not be a faith walker. Can I get a witness? And if, we're, if you are not a faith walker, one who walks by faith, then you will not please God. What did Hebrews tell us? I think it's 11 and 6. Well, without faith, it is what? The, possible to please God. The person that comes to God has to believe that God is and that he's a rewarder of everyone who what? Diligently seeks him. He also says that the just shall what? Live by faith. So in other words, if you are justified, if Jesus Christ has saved you, then we should have a lifestyle that is characterized by a man or woman who is walking by faith and not by what they see with their natural senses. Can I get a witness? So in order for God to do the greater in our lives, we have to come to a point to where we learn how to walk by faith and not by sight. We have to get to the point to where we take him at his word and begin to govern our actions and our footsteps based off of the word, amen, that he gives us. Can I get a witness? So if you got your Bibles, let's look at Numbers, the 14th chapter. We're going to go through this book, and there's going to be some principles that we're going to pull out of the book of Numbers that I think will help prepare us for greater. What we're going to see here in this 14th chapter numbers, uh, verse number 20 is where we're going to start our reading. I'm going to read this piece here, this scripture passage. But this this embodies, amen, how God's people got to a point to where they did not prepare for greater. See, in order to get greater, you got to be prepared for greater. One thing our God will not do is put us in a position to where we are not prepared to handle the position that he puts us in. Can I get a witness? And so we got to get prepared for greater. You guys know the story and the history of this, but we'll, we'll, talk, as we'll talk about this as we go through, the, through this message. Israel, the children of Israel had been in bondage for 400 plus years down in Egypt. How many of y'all know the story? And we remember and we recognize that God told Moses that you are going to be the deliverer who leads my people, who leads my people out of bondage in Egypt. And so Moses went down to Pharaoh in Egypt, and said, let my God says the great I am says, let my people go. Is that correct? And of course, you know, Pharaoh just automatically let him go right then. Right. No, he did not. Amen. He absolutely did not. Pharaoh began to become hardened because God, in his infinite wisdom, hardened the heart of Pharaoh in order to get his purposes fulfilled in the life of his people. And so so we get into the book of Numbers. We see where God has delivered them from Egypt. But how many of you know that you can be delivered from your bondage, but the bondage can still be in your mind? You can be, amen, out of a situation, but the situation that you were in can can capture you so that it affects every relationship and every decision that you make going forward. Can I get a witness? We see this quite often in relationship with husband and wives because maybe you, the first guy you dated treated you bad, messed you up real bad, and so now when you go into the next one, because you didn't get fully delivered, even though you were physically free from him, on the inside, it still controlled you. Some of the things you went through, the emotional hurt and baggage, now it's still dominating your thinking in the new relationship. 
The new God you got is, is saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking other tongues, loving Jesus, but still you got something in the back of your mind saying, mm, I better watch him because I've been hurt before. And I don't want to be hurt no more. How many of y'all have been there before? How many of y'all have been hurt in a relationship before? Come on, let me see your hands. How many of y'all played the fool? Come on, everybody plays the fool sometimes. No exception to the... All right, all right. I would venture to guess if you, if you have been in, in, in any type of relationship for a prolonged period of time, there have been some things that happen that hurt you. And, and when you get hurt or when you are in bondage or when you are in a situation that's less than ideal, if you don't properly allow God to do his perfecting work in you, that stuff will carry forward into the future. Now, look at what the text says and watch, watch God's people here. Uh, in, in Numbers, the 14th chapter, verse number 20, we're going to read it from the New Living Translation. Uh, let's read. It says, then the Lord said, I will pardon them as you have requested. He says, but as surely as I live. Now, again, watch this. Moses the one who went to Egypt to bring God's people out of bondage is now the one, the same Moses who's identified as the friend of God. Amen. How many of y'all know it's good to have God as your friend? Amen. Somebody said he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Am I right about it? So Moses was identified in scripture as the friend of God. Moses, the one who got it assigned to go to Egypt to bring his people out of bondage, is now having to intercede for some stiff-necked, hard-headed, backsliding people. So, so God had made up in his mind that because of their rebellion, hey, I'm just going to take them out. But Moses stepped in and interceded. So here God says, but as surely as I live, back, back up to verse number 20 with me right quick. Watch this. He says, then the Lord said, I will pardon them as you have requested. Who requested that? Moses did. Next verse. Let's go. 21. But as surely as I live and as surely as the earth is filled with the Lord's glory, not one of these people will ever enter that land. They have all seen my glorious presence and the miraculous signs I perform both in Egypt and in the wilderness. But again and again, they have tested me by refusing to listen to my voice. 23, let's read it. It says, they will never even see the land I swore to give their ancestors. None of those who have treated me with contempt will ever see it. Now, we're talking about preparing for greater. How many of y'all realize that God had something great in store for his children who he delivered out of Egypt? God had a land of promise, and we know the story how it was flowing with milk and honey, and we're going to discover this as we go through the book of Numbers. We're going to see this thing. It, it was flowing with milk and honey, amen, and it was as God said, but an entire generation failed to enter into greater because they were not prepared. Can I get a witness? Now, what I tell you, you keep thought. You keep, keep thought on this. Make a middle notice. And you, got, you got it on your, on your handout. If you don't have a handout, raise your hand. One of us will get one to you. God's people sometimes experience divine purging and discipline in preparation for greater blessing. Can we read that together? Come on, let's read it. It says what? God's people sometimes experience divine purging and discipline in preparation for greater blessing. Unbelief is the big hindrance to watch out for. Amen? Again, purging and discipline in order to prepare them for what? Greater blessing. Again, as, as I share with you, look at the background of this book. Moses is the author of the book of Numbers. And Numbers documents the 40-year period from the giving of the law at Mount Sinai up until the conquering of Canaan, the promised land. And the title of this book, amen, comes from the two censuses recorded in the book, one that was at Mount Sinai and one on the plains of Moab. And one thing that stands out in this book of Numbers as we go through it for the next few weeks is that, that, that Numbers has some practical values, uh, some practicality for us today as believers, amen. And the one thing I want us to keep in mind as we go through this book is that God blesses obedience. Everybody say, God blesses obedience. He blesses obedience to his laws, but brings what discipline? Everybody say brings discipline to those who are disobedient. He brings discipline to those who are disobedient. Now, how many of y'all can remember when you were growing up, 
uh, your mom and dad disciplined you? I need to see some hands in the place. How many of y'all, when you were growing up, now, nowadays, uh, and again, I, I, I don't mean to sound like I'm an old person, you know, I'm, I'm 56 and everybody say I look like I'm about 35. Y'all know that, don't you? <laughs> Every time I say that, my wife said, people all stop lying to you. <laughs> but, but, but you, you, you that, that, that remember, uh, there was a period of time where, where parental discipline was the order of the day. And one of the reasons why parents would discipline the children is to prepare them for life on down the road. To prepare them for a greater amen, area of responsibility as they grow into adulthood. So discipline is crucially important. Whom the Lord loves, he does what? He chastens. And when God loves you and I, when we are walking in disobedience, he will come and chasten us. Can I get a witness? Now, again, when we look at this thing, uh, we say God blesses obedience to his laws, but he brings discipline to those who are disobedient. Now, Israel had three big problems. I got those written down for you. Let's, we're going to walk through these because this is something that we even have to deal with today. First of all, the first big problem they had was fear. Everybody say fear. Go to Numbers, the 14th chapter again, and go to that ninth verse with me right quick. Fear, fear. Amen. We see here that as they are moving to the cuffs of the promised land, uh, the judgment, amen, that God brings upon them uh, caused an 11-day journey, roughly 220 miles, y'all, to expand to a lifetime of travel. Now, I know many of y'all here like to travel, amen, but they were traveling in the wilderness for 40 years and basically going around and around in the wilderness, amen, because of disobedience and hard-headedness. And a lot of that was spurred on because of fear. Look at the text says in Numbers 14, verse 9. It says, do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They, only, they are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but watch what Moses says, but what the Lord is with us, don't be afraid of them. Now, I shared with you one time before that one of the, uh, the, the command that's given most often in the scripture is fear not. Everybody say fear not. Fear not, is, you'll find it all throughout the Old Testament. You'll find it, amen, in the Psalms. You'll find it in the New Testament. Fear not. One of the things that we as believers have to recognize is that fear comes into our heart because unbelief is abiding there. Are y'all with me today? And the second problem they had, I said, is unbelief. Fear comes as a result of unbelief. Moses said, God told Moses, tell them, says, tell them that they have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. Fear, fear. Go with me right quick to uh, First Timothy right quick. I, I love the, to go to this passage because Paul is talking to his young son in the ministry by the name of Timothy. And he shares something with Timothy here, uh, one that we quote quite often. Um, I think it's Second Timothy chapter one. Is that correct? Um, yeah, let's, uh, let's start at verse number three, second Timothy chapter one, verse number three. So the, the first problem that Israel had was what? Say it again. Say it again. Are you afraid of something? Are there times when you're afraid that, that maybe I don't have the money to do this. I don't have the skill set to do this. I don't have the gift to do this. Uh, I'm afraid that this is going to go on. I'm afraid that this is going to happen. I'm afraid my health is going to fail me. Fear, fear, fear. And the enemy, one of the things that he does to counteract, to counteract our faith walk is he tries to bring things in, into our life that's going to cause us fear. You know, they sung that song, one, one, one standard that I am not alone. Amen. That's, that's so true. Some people are afraid of being alone. But I'm here to tell you, your God has already promised and declared in his word that he will never leave you nor forsake you. Right. And so so we got to We got to watch out for fear. Israel had the problem of fear. Look at what the text says. Here. Paul writes to his young son in the ministry by the name of Timothy. Let's read it again. It says, Timothy, I thank God for you. 
The God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayer. Here is a, a seasoned apostle speaking into the lives of a young pastor to encourage him in his shepherd over a local church congregation. Amen. Because pastoring ain't easy. Let me say it again. Pastoring is not easy. I got two amen. Okay, let me say it again. Pastoring, I'm, I'm talking about pastoring. I'm not talking about coming in, preaching on Sunday morning, getting a check and go home. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about shepherding people, being involved in their lives, making a man holy connection so that you can pour into their lives and they can glean from your faith walk. Pastoring is more than just Sunday morning preaching. And I believe, you know, honestly, I believe that many of our churches are suffering because we got preachers, but we don't have pastors in a lot of cases. I mean, and, and, and we have shepherds who are over the congregation and they can, they, God knows they're faithful and sincere, but, but, the, but the heart of a pastor is one who, who's involved in your life, who will counsel with you, who will keep you and your husband from fighting and, 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 and trying to tear each other's head off, who will step in and, and, and help you with that wayward child. A pastor gets involved. Sometimes that pastor has to come in and say, here, here's a hundred dollars, go get that thing taken care of. Y'all, y'all ain't never had a pastor to bless you. Some of y'all say, Pastor, always trying to get money out of me. No, 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 no. Stop that. Say the devil is a liar. Say everybody, say the devil is a liar. Say my pastor ain't trying to crook, uh, crook me. Is that such a word? I just made that up. All right, crook me. I made crooked a <laughs> verb, amen. Guys, listen, listen, fear comes in, so we have, we have, we have Paul here, the apostle, amen, speaking into the life of his young son in the ministry by the name of Timothy. And he's encouraging Timothy not to walk in fear because he knew that as he ro- went into that role as pastor and really started pastoring people, because pastoring means that we have a relationship that involves accountability, KD. That means that, Katie, if there's something going on in your life that, that, that we need to talk about, we can talk about it and be responsible for each other that we work on that thing, right? And same, same with me. If there's something in my life we talk about, we praying about it, I got to be accountable to you for following the word that's in front of us. Can I get a witness? Are y'all with me? So watch it. Watch it. Paul is talking to Timothy. He says, night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Verse number four, let's read. He says, what? Uh, I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted. And I will be filled with joy when we are together again. Watch what he says here. He says, I remember your genuine faith. Watch this genuine faith. For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. Isn't it wonderful to have, amen, mama and grandmama who walking in faith? Isn't it wonderful to have, amen, parents who are pouring into our lives, amen, faith-filled words? He says, and I know that same faith continues strong in you. Look at verse number six. Let's read together. Out loud, no purpose. Ready to read. Stop. Read it. Read again. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. The KJV says this, this way. I like what it says. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God. Stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Now watch this. Verse number seven. Here's what I'm going to. Watch this. For God has not, what? Given us the spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Or the KJV says a sound mind. Power, love, and a sound mind. So watch this now. If God has not given us a spirit of fear, where does that spirit of fear come from? Y'all know the answer, right? The enemy brings fear. And God, sometimes it's our own flesh that conjures up fear on the inside of us. So Israel, amen, had a, a, a fear problem. And Paul is encouraging Timothy in this text, amen, not to walk in fear. So uh, go to Numbers, the 20th chapter right quick. Let's look at verse number 12. The second thing is unbelief because fear always, amen, works in, in, in concert with unbelief. 
when God does something in our life, when God prepares us for something greater, guys, uh, one of the things that we got to make sure that we don't allow to reign is fear. Because the fear will come up and say, well, you know, nobody's done that before. Uh, God showed me, but, but uh, I'm looking and I don't have enough money to accomplish that right now. But, but did God tell you? Well, yeah, I know the Lord talking to me. I, 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 I've been walking with the Lord for a long period of time, and I know it was him, but I don't see how it's going to happen. Uh, I, we don't have the money. We don't have the resources to get this done. But guess what? If God gives you a word, don't you realize that if he guides you somewhere, he's responsible for providing the resources to get that thing done? See, preparation for greater involves us stepping out of fear and walking in that faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is what? The evidence of stuff you can't see. If I could see it, I wouldn't need faith. Can I get a witness? If I could see it, I wouldn't need faith. Watch this. Look here. If I needed a phone to call somebody, amen, maybe it was an emergency that was happening, and I needed a phone, uh, I don't need faith for a phone right now, do I? Because I got the phone right here with me. I, as a matter of fact, I didn't even see it, but I still, I, I didn't even realize I had my phone in my back pocket. All right? So my phone was there all along. I didn't even know I had it in my back pocket. I'd forgotten about it. But if I got it, why do I need faith for it? Because faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things that we cannot what? See, now here's, here's the tripping part about it. See, God requires us to walk a man by faith. In other words, God requires us, if we're going to please him, is we got to walk when we can't see it in the natural. God had told his children, listen, I have a land of promise for you. I got a place prepared for you. All you got to do is step into that land. But we're going to see as we go through some of these stories and numbers, uh, the children of Israel, amen, had so much fear and unbelief, it caused them not to be prepared for the greater and an entire generation, even though greater was for them, Brenda, even though God had promised them greater, Veronica, they did not enter into it. Just because you got a promise don't mean you're going to experience the benefit of it. Even though God uh, wants you to have it, you got to do something to step into it. How many of y'all have heard people say this before? Well, you know, if God got it for you, you're going to get it. Have y'all heard that before? Okay, that sounds good, don't it? But that ain't true. God can have something for you, but if you are not walking in faith and trusting and believing him for that thing that he has for you, hint the promised land, you, you, you will fail to enter into the greater blessing. And we see a generation here in numbers that even though God had something greater, they were not prepared for greater. Everybody said they were not prepared for greater. How many of y'all, and I know this is not grammatically correct, but how many of y'all want greater money? Oh, I, I saw one man back there. I, I need some hands raised. How many of y'all want greater money? More money? Now, I hear some of y'all find more money, more problem. No, don't, don't, don't go that way. If you want greater in the financial realm, I would submit to you that many of us are not experiencing greater in the financial realm because we aren't prepared for greater. Let me say it again. Many of us want greater in the financial realm, but we're not prepared for greater. Let me ask you a question. If God dropped a million dollars on you right now, I mean, just dropped it right now in your bank. And told you to take this and, and multiply it. Y'all remember the parable of the talents, right? He gave one five, he gave one two, he gave one one. And, 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 and the one they gave five talents went out and did what? He doubled it. The one he gave two talents went out and did what? Now y'all do know talents was not singing, playing the guitar. Talents was what? Money. Because the one that had the one talent, the Bible said he went and dug a hole and buried his Lord's what? Money. So each one of them were given, amen, a responsibility with something that their master entrusted them with. And the master knew, amen, before he ever gave it to him, who was prepared and who was not. Because the one with the one talent did like a lot of us would have did. We said, you know what? 
I'm going to make sure that I don't lose this. I'm going to make sure that I'm prepared to give back to my master what he gave me. But the master was looking for what? Increase. So my question to you today is, if, if I were to drop a million dollars on you and told you to, to, to multiply this, I need at least, a, uh, over the next five years, I need at least a 25% rate of return over that five-year period. What would you do to get me at least a 25% rate of return over a five-year period? Uh, yeah. Now, you can go to the bank, but putting it in the bank won't get me 25% rate of return. Now, putting it in the bank will keep it safe. And the bank will pay you now, if I put a million dollars in there, maybe they give you 2%, amen? But 2% per year ain't going to get me to what? 25% over five-year period. So you got to have some strategy. I will submit to you that many times when people win the lottery, the problem that w- with winning the lottery, some folk is they're not prepared for greater. Come on. And see, when you get into greater, there, there are also greater tugs and greater responsibility. Go and Google lottery, past lottery winners. I tell you this all the time and see how many of them are broke right now because they were not what? Prepared for greater. And I'm here to tell you, God loves each one of us so much, even though he has greater for us, he won't let us walk into greater if we're not prepared. So the children of Israel, after being delivered out of Egypt, now we said, number one, the first problem was what? Fear. They were afraid. But that fear was driven by what? By what? It was driven by unbelief. Watch this. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land that I'm giving them. Now watch this now. Here it is. Moses, obviously the one who's the deliverer, and God says, I'm sending you down there to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. I'm, 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 I'm going to lead you through the wilderness, and when the army is coming in on behind you, you got mountains on the side, the Red Sea in front, I'm going to part the Red Sea and allow you all to walk across on dry land. That very same Moses, even though greater was prepared for him, the text says right here that he didn't get into the greater blessing because he didn't get the privilege of going into the land of promise. Y'all know that, right? Because what did he do? He smoked the rock instead of speaking to it. And sometimes, guys, people can frustrate you so much that they'll have you, man, hitting the rock rather than speaking to the rock. Metaphorically speaking, amen. They'll have you, amen, getting outside of God's will, his command, and doing something based out of your emotions and out of your feelings. Unbelief, unbelief, unbelief. Uh, back up a few verses here. I want to, if you will, in, in the book of Numbers, let's, let's, let's walk through here right here. Because I, I need you to understand, so fear and unbelief were two problems. And the third one we're going to see is, is complaining. How many of y'all are guilty of complaining? <clears throat> uh, can I repeat that one more time? How many of y'all know that we, we're, we're, we, we, this is a participatory sermon? I mean, how many of y'all have been guilty of complaining before? Even, I, I, I've heard you know, the old folks say, you crying with a loaf of bread on your arm. Y'all know what that means? Anybody, anybody know what that means? I, do I need to decipher that for you? Crying with a loaf of bread on your arm. In other words, you're not grateful for what the Lord has already blessed you with. You're complaining and whining about stuff, amen, and God has already blessed you. The children of Israel had been thoroughly blessed because they were now out of, amen, out of Egypt. And now they were preparing to to go into the land of promise, yet they were fearful, yet they were walking in unbelief, and yet they were also complaining a whole lot. Back up to the first verse of this 20th chapter right quick. Let's read here. And what I want to do over the next few weeks is we're going to look at some broad principles from this book that we can begin to apply in our own lives. Because one thing that the Bible tells us is all of this stuff that happened to Israel happened for our admonition and for our instruction. So in other words, God allowed this to be written about his people because the Bible is a love story of God toward mankind. 
it talks about how God created man to have a relationship with him and fellowship with him. And how man, amen, in the garden, amen, violated his will and broke that fellowship, broke that relationship. But God had a plan already in place to restore mankind back to himself. Because, listen, I don't care who you are, what you've done, God loves you. God desires to have intimacy with each one of us. Now, if we belong to him and we backslide, guess what? Uh, expect a whipping along the way. Because if you belong to him, he's going he's gonna to chase you. He's going to discipline you. Watch what the text says. In the first month of the year, the whole community of Israel arrived in the wilderness of Zen and camped at Kadesh. While they were there, Miriam died and was buried. That same Miriam that, you know, uh, complained about Moses marrying the Ethiopian woman. Y'all remember that, right? All right, watch this. There was no water for the people to drink at the place, so they rebelled against Moses and Aaron. When people get in stretch, what they'll do is they'll, re- they'll rebel against the leadership. Watch this. Now, 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 remember this now. God had already been faithful in feeding them and making sure they had stuff to drink all along the journey. And the text says the people blamed Moses and said, if only we had died in the Lord's presence with our brothers. Next verse, read it, read it. Why have you brought the congregation of the Lord's people into this wilderness to die along with all of our livestock? Now, remember, they had a promise. What was the promise? God says, I've given you a land that's flowing milk and honey, and I have it prepared for you. Yes, there's opposition there, but every place that your foot treads upon, God said, I've already given it to you. That's the way God speaks. He called it those things which be not, what? As though they already are. So God has already told him, listen, the land is yours, even though you got to go in and take it. Watch this. Why have you, why have you brought the congregation of the Lord's people into this wilderness to die along with all of our livestock? Verse number five. Why did you make us? Now, here, here, here's what you got to be careful of. Sometimes people still got, I want to put it this way, slave mentality. Because they were in slavery in Egypt. Even though they had been physically removed from their, from their chains of bondage, it was still in their minds. Watch this. Why did, why did you make us leave Egypt and bring us here to this terrible place? This land has no grain, no figs. It's like some of y'all, no grapes, no pomegranates, and no water to drink. Now, remind me, God had been raining down manna from heaven. God had been giving them water to drink, amen? But yet here they're, they're complaining. How many of y'all know that, that, that maybe you don't have everything that you want to eat, but you got something to eat? Maybe, maybe, maybe you don't have caviar and, 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 and uh, 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 smoked salmon or baby back ribs from the best place that makes baby back ribs when they fall off the bone. Yes, Lord Jesus. Amen. Maybe you don't have that. But you got pork and beans. How many of y'all know some beans and rice and some rice and beans can go a long way? Come on. And how many of y'all ever had to make it spread to payday? Come on. Anybody in the house? You ain't been always delivered. You ain't always had an abundance. How many of y'all used to, on Friday, in the days of check float, write a check on Friday, know you don't get paid to Monday? Don't y'all look at me like that. Wrote a check on Friday, didn't have the money in the bank, Alia, but knew that because the Federal Reserve was closed over the weekend, that check would not get processed until you got paid on Monday. You went to Brookshire's, gave them a check, which was technically hot. Do y'all know what a hot check is? It was technically hot, but because of the grace, the float. How many of y'all ever been living in the float? Now, some of, y'all, some of y'all don't want to say that right now, but I know what I'm talking about. Every time when we were living in the float, you write it on Friday, know the check going to hit on Monday, it's going to hit the Monday or Tuesday, and you got a little time period. Now they don't kill you with this electronic. You go in the store now, man, they put that check in that thing and zip it through right then. All y'all float faith people, y'all, y'all wounded, y'all dead now. So, 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 so they were complaining because of the, the, the type of food that they had. So sometimes, guys, let me tell you something. I told you before, 
once your stomach is full, it's full. Now, I know we like to enjoy our food. We like fine taste. You know, again, we, we, we like the certain foods that give you greater comfort while they're going down. Right. Is that right? When you get certain food that you really like and then, you know, maybe maybe how many of y'all love collard greens? Cooked just right with hot water, cornbread, with candy yams, sweet potatoes. Amen. Are y'all feeling me? Fried or baked chicken or maybe smothered pork chop. That stuff, listen, when you get that, it's, it's good, but guess what? You're full, but if you got rice and beans and beans and rice, you can still get full off of that. And here's the, here's the part about it. None of us in here will know how you got full unless you tell us. Amen. None of us will know why you, you're still not losing weight because you got something to eat. I had to throw that one in there. Okay. God was preparing, but they were complaining. Look at the next verse. Come on, I got to move. Got to move. Watch this. Watch this. Um, Moses and Aaron turned away from the people and went to the entrance of the tabernacle where they fell face down on the ground. Then the glorious presence of the Lord. Those boys were dancing about their glory, right? The glorious presence of the Lord appeared to them. Watch this. Watch this. Verse 7. And the Lord said to Moses, watch this. You and Aaron must take the staff and assemble the entire community. As the people watch, speak to the rock over there, and it will pour out its water. See, let me, I don't care what you're going through. Whatever your need is, God will provide. He says, he says watch this. Uh, uh, as the people watch. Now, why did he want the people to watch when Moses speak to the rock? Because he, he, their faith obviously needs to be built up. And they need to see the man of God speaking what God told him. I told you before in the last few weeks, words have power. Death and life are where in the power of the tongue. And they that love it, they eat, eat the fruit of. Many of us are speaking bad words. And I'm not talking about profanity. Many of us are speaking, amen, faithless words. And so the words that are full of faith. Many of us are not saying to the mountain, be thou removed. Many of us are crying and whining because the mountain is in our way. God says, say to the mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and don't doubt in your heart, but believe that those things which you say are going to come to pass, and then you'll have what you, what the Bible says. So what are you speaking? See, to be prepared for the greater, you got to learn how to control your tongue. And you can't control your tongue by yourself. Because your tongue will want to say some stuff that it has no business saying, and God's got to help you control your tongue. And God's got to help you to begin to speak faith-filled words. Watch what he tells Moses. As the people watch, speak to the rock over there, and I'll pour out this wa- its water. You will provide enough water from the rock to satisfy the whole community and their livestock. Keep reading. Let's go. Verse number nine. So Moses did as he was told. I thank God for Moses doing what he was told right there. He, he took the staff from the place where it was kept before the Lord. Next verse, read. Then he and Aaron summoned the people to come and gather the rock. Listen, you rebels. <laughs> now, now Moses, leader of God's people here, Moses kind of like a de facto pastor, but he's, he's sort of like, he's a deliverer, so he's sort of like a, a personification of Jesus Christ. I didn't say he was Jesus, but he's, he's, a, he's, he's sort of a type of Christ because he's, he was the children of Israel's deliverer, and Christ is our deliverer. Did Jesus deliver you from anything? Come on, somebody. How many of y'all were delivered from drugs? How many of y'all were delivered from alcohol? How many of y'all were delivered from just a wayward thinking? How many of y'all were delivered from unforgiveness? Jesus is my deliverer. Listen, you rebels. We must bring you water from this rock. This is Moses talking. Let's keep reading. Read. Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with the staff and the water gushed out. But now, wait a minute now. I thought God just told him a few verses back, speak to the rock. I think he did, right? Now watch this. Watch this. Let's keep reading. See what happened. So the entire community and their livestock drank their fill. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land I'm giving you. Here we see the leader who brought him out of Egypt, but somewhere along the line, God said, you didn't have enough faith 
to trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel. He said, speak through. I'm not, I, I oftentimes wonder about that. But, you know, one of the things that, that I think God is trying to get us to understand is that he is a God who speaks a word. And words are critically important to our faith walk. Now, God says, speak to the rock and the water gushes out. Now, the water still came out, but partial obedience is just like disobedience. So Moses, amen, did not get a chance to get what was prepared for him. Everybody say, so you got to be prepared for the greater. Say, God is trying to get you. Say, make it personal. Say, God is trying to get me to the greater. I got to be sure that I'm prepared for it. Can I get a witness? See, some of y'all right now, some of y'all, God's got a greater, a greater job for you. But he says, you got to go to school and get the training. Well, I want to do it, but you know what? I ain't got time. Well, no, no. In order to get to that greater, that's placed in your heart, there's some preparation that you got to do. Some occupations require you to have a certain level of education. Am I right about it? And so when, when that job requires that, in order to get to the greater, you got to prepare yourself. All right. Keep reading. All right. So, so, let's see, so this place was known as, as the waters of Meribah, which means arguing. Because there the people of Israel argued with the Lord, and there he demonstrated his holiness among them. Third thing we said, these people were they, were, they were complaining. Go to Numbers 11 right quick. Now, guys, I'm going to tell you something. I don't like being around complainers. You know, there's a lot of people even in the church and even in our society, they'll complain about stuff, but they ain't going to do nothing. See, when you come to me with an issue or a problem, let's have some potential solutions when we come to talk about the problem. Most people will just complain about the problem, but haven't sought the Lord for the solution to the problem. Everybody say complainers. Look, watch, watch this. Numbers 11, verse number 1. Let's get that right quick. Numbers 11, verse number 1. Glory to God. Watch this. Soon the people began to complain about their hardship. And this, this is different, different periods in their, in their existence. And we're, we're going to talk about this a little bit more. Soon the people began to complain about their hardship. And the Lord heard everything they said. Now watch what's happening. Because, you know, again, ungratefulness is a sin. And there are times when if we're not careful, we can be some ungrateful folks in the church. Ungratefulness, unthankful. Some of y'all remember where the Lord brought you from. Some of y'all remember where you stood when the Lord came into your life. And I think it's a good idea every now and then to let our mind go back to where the Lord has brought us from. I think it's a good idea for us to go back and begin to remember, look at what the Lord has done. And if he did it before, he'll do it again. But watch this. Watch this. Then the Lord anger was blazed against them and he sent a fire to rage among them and he destroyed some of the people in the outskirts of the camp. He just, God said, I'm just going to give you a little taste of what, what really my wrath is like. The text says he, he sent what? He sent a fire to rage among them and he destroyed some of the people in the outskirts of the camp. Verse number two, let's read. Come on. Then the people screamed to Moses for help. They've been complaining about him. Now they're screaming, help us, Moses. And when he prayed to the Lord, guess what? The fire stopped. Now listen, I believe that many of us can become a friend to God like Moses was, such that our relationship with God is so strong and so connected that just like Elijah, who's a man of like passions like we are, he spoke and, and declared it ain't going to rain for three years. Guess what? It didn't rain for three years because the man of God spoke it. Now, many of y'all sitting y'all hear this. To, to you, that's a foreign concept to be able to speak amen, and, and, and watch God move. But that's exactly what the scripture tells us that we have the capacity to do. Amen? So, so if here we see Moses pray to the Lord, 
as the friend of God, the one who had connection to God. And the Bible says the fire did what? Stop. Verse number three. Let's read again. Come on. Let's go. After that, the area was known as Tabar, which means the place of burning. Isn't it amazing how whenever something happened, they, they named the place? The place of burning. Some of y'all got some places that you've named. Amen. Huh? Some of y'all got some places that you've named, haven't from your time in the past. Watch this, because the fire from the Lord had burned among them there. Verse 4, let's read it. Come on, sir. Then the foreign rabble who were traveling with the Israelites began to crave the good things of Egypt. In other words, the foreign rabble, they had people who were non-Jews who were traveling with them. And the Bible says, and the people of Israel also (laughs) began to complain. Watch this. Oh, for some meat. Here they go again. Manna from heaven is no longer good enough. We want some meat. We want some chicken. We want some ribs. We want some beef. Watch this. Watch this. Because again, watch what it says. The foreign rabble who were traveling with the Israelites began to crave the good things of Egypt. They wanted what was back there in Egypt. So you got to be careful who you associate with. Sometimes we associate with people who will influence us in a negative way. Watch this. Look at the next verse. Come on, let's go to the next verse right quick. Come on, I got to get out of here. We remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt. Now, listen, they're out of slavery, but they're wandering in the wilderness on the way to the promised land and complaining. Three things. If you don't miss it, if you don't get anything else, remember the three things that, what are the three problems? Number one was fear, unbelief, and complaining. We remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt, and we had all the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and garlic we wanted. But now our appetites are gone. All we ever see is this manna. Manna in the morning. Manna at noonday. Manna at night. Manna, manna, manna. Watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. Come on, next verse. The manna looked like small Coranda seeds, and it was pale yellow like gum resin. The people would go out and gather it from the ground. They made flour for grinding it in, with hand mills or pounded it in mortar. Then they boiled it in a pot and made it into flat cakes. These cakes tasted like pastries baked with olive oil. <laughs> the manna came down on the camp with the dew during the, during the night. Next verse says, well, Moses heard all the family standing in the doorways of their tents whining. Everybody said they were whining. And the Lord became extremely angry. When you complain, the Lord hears you. We're supposed to be people of faith. We're supposed to be in a position where we can trust God for all of our needs. My God shall supply all of my needs, not according to my bank account, but according to what? His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. They were whining, and the Lord became extremely angry. Angry. Moses was also very aggravated. And Moses said to the Lord, why are you treating me and your servants so harshly? Now, remember, the promise, we're talking about the, the promise of God is true because the children of Israel had multiplied greatly. See, God gave Abraham a promise. He said, I'm going to make your seed like the, like this. Like the, like the sand on, on the shore and the stars in the sky. I'm going to multiply you. At the time he said it, he had a family of about 70. But now when we get to this part, there's, uh, most theologians say that there were well, almost 700,000 of them. And then ultimately we're going to see we're in the point now where there was millions of, of, of God's people. So God is faithful to his promise. He multiplied his family. But watch this. He says, and Moses said to the Lord, why are you treating me, your servant, so harshly? Have mercy on me. What did I do to deserve the burden of all these people? Now, I'm going to tell you something. As a pastor, I thank God for you guys. You guys, I told you before, no, no church is a perfect church. But by and large, you guys are a very supportive ministry. You understand the role of, of the pastor. You understand the role of spiritual leaders. And you understand the accountability that's, that's, that's coming upon me and for you to walk in. So I thank God for you. So I'm not saying this in any negative sort of way. But I also know that, that, that there's some, some of you that cl- complain sometimes. You may not complain here, but you wait to get to the house. And sometimes you have pastor for Sunday dinner. Ooh, I just don't believe. You heard what Pastor Adam said. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't agree with that. What, but brother, he shows in the word. Well, he shows in the word, but you, I just still don't think that's right. 
where the word of God say? Well, I don't, you know, this ain't about the Bible. Yes, it is about the Bible. Have you heard somebody tell you this ain't about the Bible? Yeah, it is. Life is about God's word because he gave us. He says, thy word shall be a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. Watch this, watch this. Moses have mercy on me. What, what did I do to deserve the burden of all these people? And sometimes a pastor can feel burdened by all the things he has to deal with if he doesn't cast his burden on the Lord, cast his care upon the Lord. Look at the next verse. Come on, let's read. It says, did I give birth to them? Here go Moses. Now, sometimes, I'll, I'll be honest, I told you before, I give you all to the Lord. And when I give you all to the Lord, when you don't act right, guess what I tell God on you? <laughs> Call me a tattletale. I'm the pastor who tells on the member. I say, God, that's your member. He says, Look at what Moses said. Did I give birth to them? Did I bring them into the world? Why did you tell me to carry them in my arms like a mother carries a nursing baby? How can I carry them to the land you swore to give their ancestors? Verse number 13. Come on, let's read. Where am I supposed to get meat for all these people? How am I going to feed all of them? That's what Moses says. They keep whining to me saying, give us meat to eat. Next verse. Come on, I got to move. Says, I can't carry all these people by myself. The load is far too heavy. Let me tell you something. Pastoring or any other ministry opportunity, the load is too heavy for you to do it by yourself. And God never designed for you to live this Christian life by your own strength and by your own self. He gave you a comfort of the Holy Spirit to help you, to guide you. He says, watch watch this Moses get through having his pity party. If this is how you intend to treat me, Moses actually becomes a little suicidal here, y'all. Look, look at this. He says, if this is how you intend to treat me, just go ahead and kill me. Did y'all hear what this man said? He said, just go ahead and kill me. Do me a favor and spare me this misery. Because I'm going to tell you something. Dealing with people can be a trip. Ministering to people can be something else. But guess what? God called all of us to that assignment. All of us Al, you are ambassadors for Christ. None of us are exempt from the ministry of trying to reach people. But people can be something else. People can weigh on your nerves. People can want to make you go and just say, I'm this true. But you can't give up because God is on your side. We're not going to walk in fear. We're not going to walk in unbelief. And we're going to stop complaining because God has greater prepared for us. Come on, get the Lord a hand of praise. God bless you.